Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'll be talking to a medical doctor and clinical fellow at Oxford University, Dr. Monty Lynham. Monty's new book, The Painful Truth, explores the world of pain. It looks at a cutting-edge research, how our emotions impact the pain we experience, and how hypnotherapy and virtual reality can also play a role in pain relief. Chronic pain is believed to affect approximately 1.65 million people in Ireland, with chronic back pain the most common problem. Monty has joined me to talk about all things pain, why he thinks most of us misunderstand it, and why this misunderstanding has harmful consequences for us. Monty, welcome to the show. How's it going? Carl, thanks for having me on. Good. Uh, very hot. Unusually hot, um, but, but very good. <laughs> what kind of temperature is you hitting over there? Um, uh, about, I think it's about, it's about 30, 31 uh, today. Oh. And my sort of, I, I can cope with sort of anything below 18 so it's <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better i'm sweating in my studio in the back garden here <laughs> as well it's a glass box and it's very warm anyway let's get cracking let's i'm fascinated by this topic it is so interesting um let's just start and get straight into it what is pain and how do you define it now that's a that's a really good question um we all know pain uh, when we experience but getting that in in writing is a subject of huge uh, huge debate um there's there's a, an international consensus but it's um it's quite sort of it's quite wordy and it's essentially the uh, the, the current international consensus um that was found and sort of agreed on largely agreed on in 2020 is that pain is an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual tissue damage so that sort of doesn't really make sense to sense to most people but i i think pain and, and modern science shows that pain is a horrible feeling that urges you to protect a body part and i think that's key understanding that pain is a protector is 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 revolutionary actually actually and i think understanding that is the first step to actually healing from persistent chronic pain of course, because how we view pain is as a negative. It's like, oh, I, I'm sore. So by, but by flipping it and seeing it as a positive in some respects, by protecting the body, that makes a big difference in just that, 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 that approach to pain and the view of it. Precisely. I think understanding that pain is trying to be a, a guardian angel, a teacher, a doctor, trying to, it's trying to protect you, even if it's completely ruining your life with chronic pain. That is, that is the first, that, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to, take the pain away at all but it's got the first step to understanding um how to live with reduce and um even eliminate persistent pain and i wrote the book because i i i didn't plan to write a book on pain but i i discovered as a as a junior doctor in my first year that actually most of us completely misunderstand pain and by most of us i mean a lot of health professionals most medical doctors at medical school pain was um 
just considered a, a, a symptom of more interesting diseases. But actually, we're, we're now learning that uh, persistent pain, so chronic pain, which is pain that lasts usually more than three months, but lasts longer than when, when an injury should heal. That is a disease in and of itself. And uh, essentially, the, the misunderstanding is contributing to a huge pain pandemic. So I think I think chronic pain, so long-term pain, is uh, the greatest disease we don't talk about. Uh, in the UK and Ireland and the US and sort of similar countries, between sort of a fifth to a quarter of the population live with constant pain. Um, yeah, you know, it affects all aspects of functioning, um, affects um, socializing, mental health, sex life, everything. It's and yet it was only sort of classed as a disease in and of itself in 2019. And medical students learn about it for about 12, 13 hours in their six year degrees. So it's a huge problem to which we don't really have many answers. Um, in terms of, m for most people living in long-term pain, medications, even you know, strong opioids, things like morphine, aren't actually effective in most people living with long-term pain. So that's the sort of the problem um, that we're not good at addressing. But then I think the, the, the big issue is that we completely misunderstand pain. And, and, and what, what I mean by that is most of us, understandably, assume that pain is a detector. It's a detector of tissue damage, and in the short term, you know that that makes a lot of sense. You know, you 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 know you slam your laptop on your thumb, it hurts a bit. You slam it in a car door, it hurts a lot more. So you, it makes sense. You know, you've got these you know pain detectors, pain fiber, pain sort of fibers, pain pathways going to the brain, and the brain just receives it. But that's actually completely completely false, and and pain is actually a, a protective mechanism, and you don't need tissue injury at all for pain to be created by the brain. So actually, in most, for most people in, in, in chronic long-term pain, whatever injury might have been there at the start has actually healed, but the, the, the pain has become learned in the brain. And that, doesn't mean it's, um, that doesn't mean it's sort of imaginary or all in your head. It's pain is made in the brain and it's completely real. It's neurological, like, like epilepsy. Um, so get that, that, getting that understanding is, I mean, it's a huge task. Um, but once we, once we get that understanding, we can actually start to talk about therapies that work for persistent pain. I'm fascinated. It, it, yeah, it, it's such a different approach to how we talk about how we even consider pain. And like chronic pain is something even in Instagram when we do our Instagram Q and A's. Every now and again, it comes in people talking about it. And obviously, my, I'm not a medical doctor. It's you know, go and chat to your GP. So uh, that, as a form of pain, it, it's literally in your head. It's literally in the pathways of the brain. It's a it's a learned issue yes i think so it is in a sense but it's 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 key to not give across the message which can be quite easily misinterpreted that you know you've because of bad ways of thinking you've let yourself become overwhelmed by pain which is not the case essentially when you get um these danger signals traveling in from the periphery from an injury um due to lots of different things so genetics inflammation in the body low levels of inflammation um past trauma, uh, current levels of fear, expectations, all that kind of things, they, they, they can actually essentially, in the spine and in the brain, they can amplify pain uh, through lots of neurological pathways that, that are sort of quite well established, that actually essentially imprint pain on the brain and it becomes neurological. So it's, it's, not, it's not a thought disorder. You can't just think it away easily. Um, 
I mean, there are there are there are ways in which you can use the mind to reduce pain, definitely. And it's it's usually a, a long and a, a, you need to, you need to work at it persistently. But it's you know it's it's completely it's in the brain, but it's completely real. And I think uh, we just need need to listen to people in pain, understand them, completely validate them first and foremost. Um, I think that's that's the key as a key element of the message. I think one the story that made me realise that we've got things so wrong at least at least in the medical profession was in my first year as a junior doctor and I was on an acute medical ward so we'd see patients who'd come in from the emergency department decide whether they'd go um, go home go upstairs to another ward and I was following a, a very good um, consultant clinically um, and I was sort of chasing him around the ward and sort of writing uh, notes once we once we saw every every patient and we came to this man in his he was an IT consultant in his in his 40s Paul, not his real name, and he'd had low back pain for about the last year. It, he attributed it to a sort of a conked out office chair. And over the, the weeks and months, it got worse and worse. It spread over his lower back, a bit down his leg. Um, and it had got really worse in the last month. He'd also gone through a divorce during that time and he was incredibly stressed. And that morning, he couldn't get out of bed because of his pain. So his son brought him to the hospital and he had, he had all the tests. He had a lot, a lot of blood tests. He had an MRI scan. Of his, of his back and his spine, but all the results were completely normal. So the consultant went over to him, looked at, looked at the results and said to Paul, um, the good news is there's nothing physically wrong with you and sort of sent him home with painkillers. And Paul said, Paul said to him, so are you telling me it's all in my head? And, and that's just, that, that is the, the micro, that, that is the problem sort of in, in that microcosm. And I think we we tend we we're very dualist in the way we think we can either believe that pain is in the body or in or in the in the in the mind and the and there's nothing in between but actually pain is everywhere pain is in the person um and i and things and discussions like that um happen a million times a day in in different parts um of the uk island the, the world actually is it, it's a global problem so i think it's a it's a really pressing problem in terms of uh, how we need to change the way we communicate what pain is. And in terms of pain relief, then, so you mentioned like the obvious thing there is, you know, go home with painkillers, but there are other ways. I know hypnotherapy is one, and I'm fascinated just to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, so hypnotherapy is, is I was I was very sceptical about hypnotherapy. I'd, I'd never heard about it during my, I'd never been taught about it during my time at medical school. I'd associate it with sort of, um, kind of you know bond villains or you know stage hypnotists who you know make you make people sort of stand around clucking like chickens um but i'd seen some really good evidence for hypnotherapy for a number of um uh, pain conditions uh and so i interviewed a hypnotherapist um about a year and a bit ago for the book um and i've i've suffered with occasionally really bad uh, irritable bowel syndrome ibs since i was 15 sometimes i wouldn't be able to get out of the, get off the get out of bed leave the house and it was still really bad last year um and i was interviewing the hypnotherapist and he he said do, do you want to do you want to have a session so i did um and then i took the the audio recording of the session and practiced self um hypnotherapy over the coming weeks and my ibs was completely cured i've tried every medication every t- type of diet um uh and and actually and it was it was near miraculous but the the science around um hypnotherapy and immersion and distraction and visualization actually suggests that this is one of many different ways you can use to essentially rewire the brain out of pain 
to sort of essentially sit back, take a look at your brain and realize that actually it's, in my case, you know, it's not dangerous. I can, I can sit with the pain. I can live with it. And I can know that it's not dangerous. And I think this comes to a, just a, a key point about persistent pain or about persistent or chronic pain. It's the same thing is that um, because pain wants to protect us, anything that increases a sense of safety, anything that makes the brain feel safe in its body will reduce pain. Anything that increases a sense of threat or danger, um, whether it's psychological, external threats, things like that, that will, that will make pain worse. So, yeah, I mean, so, and then I looked at a lot of, lots of other um, research and actually IBS has been really effective for, say, 50 to 75 percent of, of, of IBS sufferers. And, it, and it's probably effective for lots of people in different types of chronic pain. But it, you know, it's not a solution for everyone. Some people are more suggestible to it. Um, some people are less. Sometimes it's, it can help a bit. Sometimes it. So, you know, it's not a it's not a, a, a magical cure. But I think these are the kind of therapies that we need to to look into. And I think virtual reality is a really exciting, really exciting element of that. Take us there. I was going to go there in the interview anyway. So you, you've gone ahead of me. So, so, so take us to virtual reality and how that has a role to play in pain management. Sure. So I think one of the, I guess, one of the pioneers of of, of virtual reality for pain is a, uh, a scientist in at the University of Washington in the U.S. called Hunter Hoffman, and he developed a game, a sort of a virtual reality video game called Snow World, where you put on these goggles and you're you're flying above a wintry world with snowmen and woolly mammoths, um, and you've got Paul Simon's "You Can Call Me Al" in the background. It's kind of it's eerie, quite relaxing, and your 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 mission is to throw these snowballs and and basically explode all of the sort of the flora and fauna of, of the of this sort of snow world around you. And they used it on burns victims, so people with severely painful uh, wounds. And while they were having their dressings changed, they would they don the VR goggles. And it showed that it reduced their pain without any other painkillers. It reduced their pain by around 50%. Um, why this is the case is probably lots of things going on. The elements of um, distraction, the person in pain actually wanting to expecting to have the pain relief from it element of the placebo effect probably something more going on there um and just the brain feeling safe in its body and there have been a lot of um a lot of a lot more sort of recent studies as well that have been, that have shown that well, there's a team in france in strasbourg that um do um virtual reality sessions for children who've had surgery and they found that after surgery children who have virtual reality need half the amount of painkillers than people who don't and uh, spent roughly 20 hours less in hospital after surgery so it, it's it's definitely clear that virtual reality is is really effective for short-term pain and what i'm really interested in um is whether that can also work for long-term pain if you have sessions of virtual reality you can essentially try and rewire rewire the brain out of pain um all the, all the sort of evidence suggests that for a lot of people that that might work um so that's that's a really exciting field, and I think that it will really take off in the next the next decade. And in terms of the virtual reality experience, so the way you make it sound there, and you know, you put you put on the goggles, you're in this very calm, relaxed environment, and you're focusing on you know nature and the things around you, the mm. most distraction element. Is there something deeper within the virtual reality? As you know, it's your psychosomatic uh, trigger points or something in as part of the as part of the experience, or is it literally that immersion into a relaxed sensory space? Yes. So, I mean, that's a really good question. On one level, it is that immersion into into relaxed sensory space. And it's there have been quite a lot of MRI studies, so brain scanning studies for for, for hypnotherapy, if not quite not quite for VR, that show that there are real brain changes 
that happen during this a sense of immersion, uh, the sense of visualization. Um, and it essentially does a lot of different things. So it's kind of, it can sort of decouple the, um, your, your actions and your knowledge of doing those actions. So for example, if you're driving back from work and or cycling back from work and you get home and suddenly you don't, you don't remember any of the trip, it feels like there's some kind of unconscious driver behind the wheel. So that there's that kind of element of it. Um, and there's also um, complete and utter sort of focus, the sort of the salience network um, is activated. But then what's really interesting is they found connections that suggest that you have greater control over your body, essentially a gr greater link between what's going on in the body with the brain. And when you think about hypnotherapy, you think that you're being controlled by another person. Well, actually, that's, that's completely not the case. In a sense, you're having... Um, you're sort of more in tune with what's going on with your body. And I think, in a sense, that can reduce the fear of the pain. Um, so, um, yeah, so there are lots of things going on. Um, we don't, it's probably a combination of lots of different things, if that, if that makes sense. Um, but I think what it comes down to is it, it is essentially, it's also partly rewiring the brain and looking at pain from a different way. And that actually reduces pain in and of itself. And a strange question, the next one, but is, is pain contagious? That's really interesting. Uh, the answer, the short answer is yes, it is. So um, I, for my book, I interviewed a, uh, um, a, a neurologist based in Boston, and uh, he's got something called mirror touch synesthesia. So whenever he sees someone in pain or being touched, he feels that on his body, or at least how his brain um uh, feels it so so when I I, I had a Skype interview with or a Zoom interview with him I think it was before before COVID before Zoom was fashionable and I um I sort of stroked one side of my face and he said yep I can I can feel that sort of with the look of someone that you know everyone asks me this um, and it's and I, I asked you know why why did you become a doctor I mean should, he, then he was like fair enough I, you know I, should, I couldn't have become a, a trauma surgeon I mean he told me about a time when in medical school when he saw someone being resuscitated with, with CPR. And he felt his his chest being crushed. He felt the breath going out of his um, body, and he had to run into a into a into a loo, and and he he threw up and had to sort of slap himself to make to 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 let himself know that he he was alive. So obviously that's a very uh, extreme example of um, you know what you see affecting how you feel in terms of pain. But actually, research shows that we're we're all mirrors. If you see someone hurt, you know if you're um, if you see someone hurt, whether it's in real life or you're watching a, a sort of an action movie or a, or a rugby match or whatever, and you see these hits and you, you, you sort of instantly flinch, that is actually because you the same areas, uh, even if you don't flinch, actually, the same areas in your brain that are activated when you experience pain yourself are being activated. Now, what, why, what's the point of that? And it, it makes sense, actually, that you know, pain is a protector. It all, all goes back to this. Pain wants to protect you. So pain's a teacher as well so if you burn your hand on a fire or if you know for our ancestors if they were bitten by a saber-toothed tiger it really hurt you know we'd learn not to go near that saber-toothed tiger or the fire or too close to the fire but actually wouldn't it be better if we could learn directly from other people who are experiencing that pain so if you see someone burn their hand or bitten by a saber-toothed tiger it's actually not good enough just knowing that they're in pain you need to feel that they're in pain so if you catch a bit of their pain you will then know, okay, I don't want to go near that saber-toothed tiger. I can go this close to the fire, but not that close. So actually there is a there is a there is a reason why we why we catch other people's pain. And 
that you know in the brain it's caused by something called well there's debate as to whether it's called mirror neurons there are specific mirror receptors in the in or mirror nerves in the brain that detect this or whether it's just a whole system that that detects it but we can we can definitely um we can we can definitely catch catch pain and actually that has relevance for for some pain treatments knowing that we're that we're mirrors you know some someone I, I knew she had really bad neck pain and actually she realized that whenever she would see someone moving their neck to sort of to, to its extremes but in a sort of a healthy way she would, her pain would get worse or if she saw a builder sort of craning his neck up to see um his colleagues on a on a, on a scaffolding then she would she would her pain would worsen and actually just understanding that that doesn't that sort of that hurt doesn't equal harm just just understanding about that mirror system reduced her pain and then there are also interesting therapies that i could talk about in terms that use mirrors that really help um, people with phantom limb syndrome or regional pain syndromes in parts of their bodies that actually use mirrors to sometimes completely eliminate their pain um which is which is another really so interesting mirrors area. as in li- as in li- as in literal mirrors literal so, mirrors or yeah, for, yeah literal mirrors so there's um uh, a uh, an american uh, neuroscientist called vs ramachandran basically you discovered that uh, if people so most people actually with who have uh, uh, limb amputations have um, some kind of phantom limb pain we think it's really rare but it's actually not at all um and but he actually found that if you say if you have a, a an amputated arm, you, if you put your hand, both of your well, your 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 one your one existing arm into a mirror box, and you look over it, and the reflection makes it look as though you say you'll see your your left hand in your healthy left hand in. It makes it look as though you have a right hand, and when you move your left hand, um, your the sort of the phantom right hand uh, is moving again. And what's really interesting is that actually can actually completely eliminate that the sense of that phantom limb or the phantom limb pain um and as it's when he did it he said you know that you could say that was the first ever phantom limb amputation and it's in a sense that was convincing the brain and the sort of the motor the sort of the movement circuits that are always associated with pain that actually um that to basically essentially giving it a sense of safety and reducing the pain associated with that um, so that's quite, an, but that's, that can also, if, if people have, and there's something, there's something called, um, well, that, that there's, there are different types of regional pain syndromes where you can have terrible, terrible pain, say in one limb, usually. So in an, in an arm, this can be really, really useful, um, for, for that as well. It's fa- It's absolutely fascinating. And I suppose to, to normalize it is the wrong word, but to put a different slant on it, bring it back, bringing it back to that sports analogy. It's almost like the work that the sports psychologists do with, with high-end athletes of visualization. So golfers, for example, will play the golf course in their head before they get to the golf course. And then the, their brain is almost wired for the golf course that's ahead or the rugby game that's ahead or the, the tackle or the scrum. That, that's another form or no, another example of just how the brain can be wired. Precisely. That's And a reason for visualization is partly because so much of our brain is is dedicated to visual processing um so actually for a lot of people in in persistent pain actually visual using visualization um some some therap- uh, some some scientists have have called it sort of stealing back your brain so one 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 sort of quite extreme example was a an american um 
uh, American doctor and um, psychiatrist and pain specialist, um, uh, Michael Moskowitz, who uh, he was, was middle aged at the time. Um, I can't remember exactly how old, but he was on a rubber, on one of these um, he was tubing, so you know the kind of rubber rings that are attached to the end of a motorboat on a lake, and he was going at sort of really fast, and he and he flipped off it, landed sort of with his neck completely crooked on the water, hit it at sort of 30, 40 miles an hour, um, ended up having horrendous pain for about a decade, tried everything, um, like really serious um, uh, medications, um, like powerful opioids, um, different types of fit to different types of physical therapy. But actually, he ended up reading a huge amount of neuroscience. And he actually said, you know what, I'm going to steal back my brain. I'm going to, so basically, he drew two pictures. Well, actually, there were three pictures, but there were two, essentially two different types of pictures. One was he drew a picture of, of his own brain and highlighted the areas where um, where sort of pain is in the brain. It's not quite as simple as that, but he did them as big sort of red areas that kind of expanded over his brain. And then he drew another picture of those areas completely shrunk. And whenever he experienced a jolt of pain, um, he closed his eyes and imagined those pain areas shrinking. And now, and he did this Sort of religiously, every single time he had a jolt of pain, he did that. And it didn't work for a couple of months. But then the pain that had spread from his neck down to his back, it starts to sort of creep back up just to his neck. And then over, I think, four to six months, the pain had gone completely and permanently. Now that shows the power of the that you think of 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 the brain learning itself out of its way out of pain. The issue and, and he has seen a huge amount, he basically committed the rest of his career to that. And it works for a huge number of people. I mean, the, 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 the clear thing is that it requires a huge amount of effort and you need a huge amount of support um, to do this. And you know, one of the things about pain actually is the people who suffer most in pain are people who have, less have the least access to these kinds of therapies. Um, oppression in society, oppression, poverty, things like that are as a perfect cocktail for pain. Um, but... So, but, but that just shows how visualization is hugely effective. Um, and there is, um, and there's one, one way of showing the power, the power of visualization actually over the body, uh, which you know, we, we could do if you've got 30 seconds, which is called the lemon test, um, if, if you're happy to do that. So what, what I, need, I need you to do is to, to close your eyes and just imagine this, imagine this scenario. Okay. So you're in your kitchen you're standing up, you're taking in the, the sights, maybe the sounds and the smells of your kitchen. Now, wander over to the fridge, open the fridge, and in on the bottom shelf, imagine the perfect lemon, the perfect color of yellow, the perfect shape, the perfect texture. Now, grab hold of the lemon and feel its weightiness in your hand. Now, take it to a chopping board, grab hold of a knife, and slice the lemon in half. Now take hold of one half of the lemon, feel the, the juices of the lemon running over your fingers, and you can smell the, the zest of the lemon. And now bring it up to your mouth and take a big bite of the lemon and taste those, those tangy, uh, citrusy, citrusy juices in your mouth. And now you can open your eyes. Um, you can open your eyes now. And for most people, that usually causes them to, to salivate quite a bit. And you can't sort of activate your salivary glands just by saying, okay, I want you to produce saliva. That actually engages the, the brain and the subconscious, you could say, uh, through visualization to actually 
change something sort of physical in, in inverted commas in the, in the body so that so, so visualization is, is 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 hugely effective and you know that is seen in things like hypnotherapy um vr but even just sitting at home closing your eyes maybe doing deep breathing exercises and just imagining yourself in that happy place just simple things like that can be really helpful i think as a conversation this has brought a whole aspect of pain and pain management for people that they will not expect and certainly myself it's been really interesting just delving into this topic and it's a topic i think we'll come back to over the you know in the next couple of months on the show it's absolutely fascinating remind me again the name of the book and and when it's out sure it's the, the painful truth and it's uh, out it was out um last thursday amazing and it's available online and at all good bookstores as well dr monty lyon thank you so much for joining us on today's show folks i really hope you enjoyed that a whole different aspect of pain and pain management obviously it is important to state at the very end of the show if you do experience pain do go to your gp and your medical professional it is also always really important to use them as a first port of call. As ever, we are back next week on Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to rate and review. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. It's long ago. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.